morning. Glad, glad you all came out and uh, we're missing plenty of people that uh, are traveling this weekend, but uh, glad you all are here and we have uh, Drew and Olivia here and Drew's going to be leading our worship force again this morning. Thank you so much for uh, agreeing to do that again. It's always a blessing to have you guys here. Um, while he's coming, let's uh, bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I come to you this morning and thank you for your blessing to us, for giving us this day to come together to worship you, to praise you, and more importantly, to, to hear from you. And I pray that we would open up our hearts and our minds to receive your truth this morning. That it would go deep into our hearts and our minds and make a change in our lives. And I pray that you would bless this time of worship now and, and you would be pleased, honored, and glorified by our worship here this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. How you all doing? If y'all could stand with me, it'd be great. And this morning, as we're worshiping the Lord, the Holy Spirit lays it on your heart that you need to share something between the songs, just however the Holy Spirit's leading. Uh, be sensitive to that and, and do what He's telling you. And Lord God, we just want, we just want you to be here. We want your Holy Spirit to be here. We want uh, your name to be glorified above all else. And Lord, uh, I as a leader, I throw myself upon you and rely on your grace today. And uh, I just want to bless your name. Amen. Every 
said this before here, I don't know, I say it a lot, but uh, it's been, I know Jesus is coming soon, that's all, and uh, they believed that for almost 2,000 years now, <laughs> and uh, with every passing year, we get closer to that day, and people, I've, uh, when I talk to people about this, especially in the world, it's like, well, it's been 2,000 years and he hasn't come. I'm like, yeah, I know, exactly. It's been 2,000 years he hasn't come. You know, it's getting close. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, anyway, I just I just want to, I'm, this is a song that I have never done in front of a, um, in front of a congregation before, uh, but I wanted to share it with you this morning. It's called Almost Home. And uh, I think it, it's an encouragement and a reminder to remember that this life is very short and whether we die a natural death or Jesus comes back for us it's still short <laughs> and uh, and we are almost home we're close we're very close Saints have before us come. 
No stopping now, we're almost home. The promised land is called, we're almost home. And not a tear shall fall, then we're almost home. Make ready now your souls for that kingdom come. No turning back. We're almost home, almost home, we're almost home. So press on toward that blessed shore, oh praise the Lord, we're almost home. This journey ours together, To that grave forever, we're almost home. What song I knew we'll sing round that happy throne. Come faint of heart, we're almost home. Almost home, we're almost home. So press on toward that blessed. Just a vapor, we're almost home. That sun is setting yonder, we're almost home. Take courage, for this darkness shall break to dawn. Oh, lift your eyes, we're almost home. Almost home. Blessing sure, oh, praise the Lord. We're almost home. Almost home. We're almost home. So press on toward the blessing sure, oh, praise the Lord. We're almost home. Another thing that I think about, sorry to keep talking, but another thing that I think about is what's it going to look like when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ and I give an account of everything that I've done in my body and what am I going to think when I see his face? What's that going to feel like? in such a way as to win to win Christ and to, to receive his affirmation and when the stars burn down and the earth wears out 
and we stand before the throne with the witnesses who have gone before we will rise in all applause singing blessing and honor and glory and power forever to our God singing blessing and honor and glory and power forever to our God there will come a day standing face to face in a moment we'll be like you he will wipe our eyes dry and take us up to his side and forever we will be singing blessing and honor and glory and power forever to our God singing blessing and honor and glory and power forever to our God blessing Singing blessing and honor and glory and power forever to our God. One more time. Blessing and honor and glory and power forever to our God. Star of the morning, the light of salvation, majesty. God of all mysteries, Lord of the universe, Majestic King. Star of the morning, the light of salvation, Majestic God of all mysteries, Lord of the universe, Majestic King. When the hands of time. And when the hands of time wind slowly down And the earth is up, rolled up like a scroll The trumpets will call and the world will fall To its knees as we go home Singing blessing and honor and glory and power forever to our God Singing blessing and honor and glory and power forever to our God. Singing blessing and honor and glory and power forever to our God. One more time. Singing blessing and honor. Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone, 
solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter. Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless bear, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death of Christ I there in the ground his body lay light of the world by darkness slain and bursting forth Stands in victory Since curse has lost its grip on me For I am his and he is mine Bought with the precious blood of Christ No guilt in life, no fear in death This is the power of Christ in me from life's first cry to final breath Jesus commands my destiny no till he returns or calls me home <laughs> Till he returns or calls me home Here in the power of Christ I'll
faithful to me. A light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life's
Lord God, we commit this service to you. We commit our hearts to you. Together as one family, one body of Jesus Christ. that your word would come forth and change us today and make us new and that we would edify one another we bless you Lord and we love you in Jesus name Amen y'all can have a seat for leading us in worship this morning. You know, I, I had a, years ago, I had an older gentleman tell me he didn't like that last song, that here I am to worship. He thought it sounded like, uh, all right, God, here I am. I'm here to worship you. You really got something to be proud of here. I'm not sure where he found that in that song, but... <laughs> To God, you know, it's, it's the idea that we're nothing, and He's our Father, He's everything, and we're simply here to worship Him. Well, thanks again, Drew, for <clears throat> leading us this morning. A few quick announcements. Um, looks like I got a gum chewing boy here beside me this morning. Um, we have, uh, for this week, there is a Bible study plan here on Wednesday evening, and that is 7 o'clock, correct? 6.30. All right, don't show up at 7, you'll be late. Um, this will be the part two of the study of the book of Ruth. So feel free to come join in on that. Uh, next Sunday, uh, Brother John Olive from Cheyenne will be here sharing the word with us. So uh, feel free to come for that as well. And as usual, we have uh, a meal planned for, <clears throat> for after the service. So it's uh, not a Super Bowl party, but please stay and eat before you go to your Super Bowl party <laughs> and enjoy that time of uh, fellowship with us. All right, Steve, I think you're probably up this morning. You have something for the kids, right? Okay. Kids, do you want to come on up here? Um, well, it looks like it's my kids. John, where are your kids? <laughs> There's one of them. All right, come sit down here. Steve's going to have a story for you, and I think Phil's going to have a song. I'm not sure how that's going to all work out, but I'll turn it over to them to figure that out. Thank you. Well, good morning, children. Where's all your smiles? Oh, there's one. Oh, there you go. Well, today we're going to be talking about um, Jesus. And Jesus was among many, many people. He gave miracles. He did miracles. He taught. And he did it for a long time. More time than Brother Phil does over there. And 
But he, they got tired, you know. They, Jesus couldn't send them away. I mean, he spoke for hours, did miracles for hours, and they probably were hungry. Do you ever get hungry? Yeah. So he, so this was around uh, the Passover time, and it says, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said to Philip, Shall we buy bread? That these may eat, boy, that'd be a lot of loaves of bread, probably more than the ladies here could make. So one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad. Little boys are uh, important. So are little girls. But this boy, he had a lunch. Now, two small Fishes and five loaves of bread. Do you think that's going to feed 5,000 people? You think it will? Just that? Oh, well, yeah, breaking apart. But also, I forgot to tell you, there's women and children along the way too. So we have 5,000 men, women and children, five loaves, two fishes. We would need a house loan, really, right? But guess what happened? You think what? Well, you got an idea there. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Another place it says plus women and children. When they were, uh, uh, let's see, let me get. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he gave thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. So the disciples passed out the baskets to 5,000 men plus. And guess what? They passed them out. And there was some left. They got full. And then after that, therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves, which remained over above unto them that had eaten. So there was some left. After 5,000 men, women and children, there was still enough for the disciples. There were 12 disciples. So Jesus thought of everything, didn't he? He took care of 5,000 men, women and children, and his 12 disciples. And after that, but you know what he did? He gave thanks to the Father before he handed them out. When you, before you eat, do you pray to God and thank him for the food? Only for your dinner. Well, that's a good, oh, that's a good time to pray too. How about your lunch and breakfast? No. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, and says, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come unto the world. Who was the prophet? Jesus. That's right, Jesus. So can you imagine 5,000 people? You can. Well... They'd fill out 
10 times the size of this church. Yeah, at least. Yeah, well, you need about 20 times your house. But so Jesus does miracles. Has Jesus done a miracle in your life? to my brother when he was in the hospital because he was going to die. But God healed him, didn't he? Anybody else? Jesus did a miracle? Or what did he, what miracle did he do for you? <laughs> you being alive is a miracle. So when you go and you need a miracle, you ask the Lord. And then when it's his timing, he'll do it because he knows our needs. We have a special for you. Would you like to come over here? Brother Phil has a uh, special thing for you all. Jason and Carrie can sing it with you. Start putting it on the whole list of the song list. So, here goes. You can sing along with it. Everyone can. Shall we? This is me, kids. There's another time that Jesus fed 4,000 as well. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you bless these children, Lord, and give them faith in you, that your miracles when they need them, Lord, and that, Lord, you bless them and their families. In Jesus' name, amen. And go back to your seats now.
Okay, you can turn your Bibles with me, open them to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. As good stewards of the manifold, the varied grace of God. Whoever speaks, let him or her speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so as by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, actually we'll begin in chapter 6, verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it. This was Moses speaking. But I wonder if you, father, mother, brother, sister, whoever of you is born again of the Spirit of God, And has been given the fish and the bread to multiply to others. Have you received this command from the Lord Jesus as Moses did? Moses understood this responsibility that God gave him. And he did it well. It was the Lord God had commanded me, verse 1, to teach you. The words of God. So that you, your son, and your grandson. There you go, grandpas. You thought your work was over? Nope. And your grandson might fear the Lord, your God. To keep all of his statutes. You know what a statute is? Do you have any statutes in your life? I've got a lot of them. And I hope you do too. Men in this world build statutes all over the world, right? We see it in every city, in every town. You can go out here on the outside of the west side of Greeley here and you'll see two pillars that are like statutes. And if you pull over there into that little parking area and you read the plaques, you'll know what those statutes are there for. To cause you and I to remember something very significant that happened right here on the west side of Greeley. 70 plus years ago. Now I'm not going to tell you what that is. And if you don't know. You should find out. Do you have statutes? God has many of them. That he wants to do in your life. Build memories. That's what a statute is. God is in the business. Of building memories. Memorable moments. So that you 
and your sons and daughters and your grandchildren will never forget. But as they remember those memorable moments of God in your life, they'll fear God. That word fear is not, I'm scared. No, it's not the, ah, what's happening? No, it's, wow, God, wow. Oh, that's that word fear. You, your children, and your grandchildren will, wow, God, when God builds a statue in your life. That's what God wants to do in every one of his children's lives. And he is doing it. It's just unfortunate. Just like probably most of you have no clue what I'm talking about. Those statutes even mean or even that they're there. That's unfortunately how many of God's children are with his statutes. They're all there. And God's doing it throughout your whole life. And you might never see them until he shows it to you after your life is over. What a shame. Don't you think? I don't know about you, but I consider that my most embarrassing moment of my whole life. Here God, my dad, is doing all of these things in my life for as long as I live on the earth and I don't recognize almost any of them so little recognition do I give to him. I don't talk about him to my children or my grandchildren or anyone else for that matter. And then when God shows him to me at the end of my life. Oh, God, what a blushing moment. I'm not going to have that blushing moment. By his grace, no way. How about you? Are you going to wait for that embarrassing moment or not? Moses didn't wait either. He said, no way. I'm doing it. Now, unfortunately, many in Israel to this day suffer that embarrassment. We're talking about them. <laughs> How many of the million plus people whom Moses read these words to went into the land of Canaan? Do you know how many? Two people. Wow. Don't you think they're a bit embarrassed now that we're talking about them? So that you, your son, and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Oh, Israel, you should listen. You should listen carefully. That it may be well with you. And that you may multiply greatly. That means you make many others like yourself. Doing this. The life of Jesus in you multiplies. He's in the multiplication business. To many others. 
just as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With the embrace of your heart. How do you prove to someone you love them? Could I convince you that I love my wife, Lucas and Michael? Could I convince you that I love mom with all my heart if you've never seen me touching her, embracing her, or hugging her, or kissing her? Could I? Nope. How do you convince anyone that you love his statutes and his commandments if you don't embrace him with all your heart? A lot of Christians are a bit like some of the baby boomer generations, I'll leave out some names, who their children never seen dad and mom hug or kiss and rarely be fond of each other. And those children grew up thinking, well, my parents never divorced, but why did I never see them embrace? Show affection. And those parents, when asked by their children, why did you never do it? The parents said, well, we didn't want to embarrass you. Wow. What a concept. Are you living on that concept as one of God's children? You don't want to embarrass Jesus in front of others by your affection, affectionate display. Of his word. Doesn't work out too well. I'll tell you that. And you shall love the Lord your God. With all your affection. Embracement. And with all your soul. And with all your might. There you have it. The heart. And these words. Which I'm commanding you today. Shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons and daughters. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. Do you? And when you walk by the way, when you're driving down the road. They walked places. We drive places. And when you lie down, when you're all going to bed. What do you talk about to your sons and daughters? And when you rise up. What do you talk about to your sons and daughters? Are you one of those who talk little about his statutes and his commands? Oh, they're all around you. But, ah, well, it's awkward. It's awkward. Wow. And you shall bind them as signs on your hand. The things you do with your hand will show and tell of God's goodness, His statutes and His commandments will be done with your hands. Your kids are going to see it. And His frontals on your forehead, the thoughts that go through your mind will be evident to everyone. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house. What's on your house walls? And on your gates. 
this is not an embarrassed child of God. Would you say so? No. This is a child of God who is loving their Father in heaven with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. The first commandment with promise, Jesus said. And they're expressing it so. These people won't do this. You and I will not live like this unless we live like this. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do. Now he's not saying here. That's what he said first. That has to come first. How does faith come to you? Huh? Hearing the word of Christ. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Are you a preacher? You know, most Christians are going to have one of their most embarrassing moments as they stand before the Lord. Many Christians, probably not most, perhaps many. Because they didn't recognize that God made them a preacher. Are you a preacher for God today? This kind of Christian. All the commandments that I'm commanding you today, you should be careful to do. That you may live and multiply. There it is. Make more of yourself in the world. More people like you. And go in and possess the land, the life, which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. You should remember them how? How? Anyone? How do you remember all the ways the Lord your God has led you to today? How? Statutes. Can you say it with me? Statutes. Recognize His statutes. Talk of them. The memorable moments of God in your life. And if you look for them, they're all through your life. Every year, every month. Because God does it every day. He's building statutes with you. Memorable moments. When you get up, when you sit around the table, when you walk, drive by the wayside, when you come home, because they're written on the walls of your life. They're written on the walls of my heart. They're written on the walls of my mind. They're written by the finger of God on your life. And so you talk about it all the time. They're very evident to anyone who will hear. And you share it with your kids and your grandchildren and your neighbors. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. How does God do that in your life? Has God ever humbled you? To test you? To see what comes out of your mouth? That's the way he knows what's in your heart. Jesus said so. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
So God, our good dad, daily tests you and me to see what is in our heart, how we speak about what he does or allows in your daily life. That he might humble you, testing though, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you this way. I want to see if you can relate to this one. And he humbled you and let you be hungry. Has God ever left you be hungry? Now that word, we tend to think of hungry as in food. But hungry as in food, if you study what he's saying here, is he did test them with food, but it's more than food. It's be in need. You need something today. You need God's provision today. You need God to do something for you today. Have you ever asked God, Lord, give me my daily need, and I need it today. Please, please today. I'm hungry. And it doesn't happen today. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, me too. Just yesterday. How about you? Did it happen to you yesterday? Look for it today, too. It's God working in you. It's God working in me for this reason. He left you be hungry and he fed you with manna, but you're wanting steak. Or at least chicken or quail. You wanted meat and you needed meat. That's really what I mean, we're sure we needed that. But the Lord gave us manna, heavenly food, angels' food, he says in Psalm 107. He fed them with angels' food. Has God ever fed you with angel's food when you were looking for steak? Oh, yes, he has. If you haven't recognized it, you probably blamed the devil or blamed yourself or someone else for that lack, that need. Don't do that, dear child of God. Recognize God is having a memorable moment in your life for this reason. The reason continues. And he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know. What is that stuff? You did not know, nor did your fathers know, that, here's the reason. Are you listening? That he might make you understand something. What does he want us to understand? Can someone tell me? Do you know or don't you know? Huh? That man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's his purpose. For letting us be in need. You be in need yesterday. And giving you manna instead of steak. What did you do when that happened? What do you do? <gasps> Panic. Cry. Beg. Come on God. Why aren't you hearing me? That bill was due last week. How do 
anybody? I wanted to do this, and now I can't. I told my kids we would, and now I can't. Whatever your need is, whether it's financial or spiritual, something in your own heart that you're longing for from him, what is your need? Why is God letting us be in need? Have you considered that he wants to test, see what comes out of your mouth, see what's in your heart, but more importantly, he's seeing what we're doing. What are they going to do now? Are they going to come to my word and live by that which proceeds out of my mouth when they're hungry? Do you? Do you? The first temptation that Jesus faced was this one. He was hungry. And the devil said, hey, come on, Jesus. You have the ability to make these stones into bread and fill your hunger. What did Jesus say to him? It is written. What? He quoted this. Man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus First test, public test, fiery trial, that one. And he answered because he understood his heavenly father was testing him to see if he would live by that which every word that his father spoke or whether he would satisfy a physical need. And that was more important. Oh, my dear brother and sister, if your physical needs do not take you to this, you will be one poor, poor Christian. Instead of letting, like Colossians says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, it will be pennies for a dollar. What is it for you? What do you do when you're in need? Physical needs. And God does not... Supply it that day. Do you let this be rich in you? That's the reason God is doing this. He wants his children to understand that man does not live by bread alone, but by that which every word that God is speaking, it causes me to live spiritually. And teach it. There's an amazing word in the book of Daniel, or in the book of uh, Amos. Turn your Bibles with me to Amos chapter 8. And I think we're living in this word. The reason I believe that Amos here is speaking about our very day is because I see this deep need in my own life. And how easy it is for me to not understand this truth. And to put, to be caught up with the anxiety of life instead of to be filled with the word of God in my moments of need. And instead of living like Jesus told us to live in Matthew chapter 5, like the birds, I live as if I don't have a heavenly father. I live like the rest of the world around me, anxious, fretting, begging, kicking, knocking down doors, pushing, pushing for my needs. 
This truth in Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. I want you to note, he didn't say reading the words of the Lord. He said hearing the word of Jesus. Jesus speaking into your heart, into your mind, his words that give you spiritual life. And you don't live by bread alone, but by every word. This is more necessary bread than physical food. And that's how you live. And it's written across your heart. The new covenant, the new promise that God is giving to us in our generation is this word. In Hebrews chapter 8. Verse 8 or 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need occasion sought for a second. For finding fault with them, he says, Behold, days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, my promise, and I did not care for them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind, and I will write them upon their heart. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. When he said, A new covenant he has made the first obsolete. I'm not doing it that way anymore, God is saying. Not that way. It didn't work. Only two people out of a million plus got it. That doesn't work. Does it? No. So God says, I'm going to come up with a new promise. A new promise is, I'm going to write it. I, God, says, I'm going to write it. Not through Moses, not through a preacher. I, through the Holy Spirit, will write it on their minds, individual, every one of them, and on their hearts. And they all shall know me, this personal, deep relationship with God individually. And then they'll have fellowship with each other, from the least to the greatest of them. Father, mother, do you have this faith for your children? That while you obey Deuteronomy 6, God is doing Hebrews chapter 8. Oh, I do. I do. As a dad, I pray this prayer. I remind God of this promise every morning. I do. Every morning as I'm praying over our boys and I'm crying out, God, you promised. Remember? You promised you would do it. 
I'll be faithful. I'll read your word to them. I'll explain it to them. When I rise up, when we sit around the tables, when we're going down the road, when we're coming home, when we're going to bed, but I can't put it on their heart. I can't write it on their mind. You promised you would do it from the baby to the oldest. And I claim that promise. I believe it with my whole heart. And he does. He does. It's true. God is not a liar. He forgives their sins. He's merciful to their iniquities. He remembers their sins no more. He makes the old obsolete because he does this. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, the Lord has been speaking deeply this word and writing it on my heart. Guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools for they don't know they're doing evil. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God for God is in heaven and you are on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. What I read to you, 1 Peter chapter 4, if anyone speaks, are they your words coming from your perspective? Are you willing? Are you willing and obedient to in the moments, the daily tests of your need, speak the word of God to your family? To yourself, speaking to yourself in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Colossians chapter 3. The Word of God becomes your daily bread, and that's what comes out of your mouth instead of your hasty thoughts, your own perspective, and your own words. Oh, you will find God will do so many memorable moments. Build statues in your own heart and in your home and in your business and in your church life, in your friendships, in your relationships of your community. They'll be all around your life. They'll be all over. So many souls that you won't have to become a preacher. People will ask you, what is the hope that lies within you? What is going on in your life? You are weird. I see God testing you in this, and you shared God's word with me. What's up with that? When you go into Starbucks for a cup of coffee and you sit down, you carry your Bible. Have you ever tried this? Go up to the Starbucks counter like this. And order your coffee and go sit down. Just but before you sit down, watch what the waitress does or the, your server, where her eyes go. Look her straight in the eye or him. You know where their eyes are gonna be? Not in your face. Big eyes. Try it. You'll see the difference. Try sitting down for lunch and opening your Bible if you go out to eat or wherever. Just open it up and see what people do around you. 
See what they do. They respond. Many times, people have come up to me and said, what are you reading? Or they'll just walk by me, maybe a little shyly, and say, good word, brother. It's amazing the response to God's word when we handle God's word or when we share it. I was at a coffee shop, uh, uh, one that I like to frequent when I'm up in Fort Collins called Little, Little Bird Bakery, right? Cafe or bakery. It's up there in Old Town. And they, they make an amazing little pastries right there. And, and so I, I was in there one morning and, and this young lady in front of me is like ringing me up. And she goes, hi, how are you? You know, she's never even looking at me. She, has, she doesn't care how I am. It's just the way that we talk about it, right? Maybe she cares, but I don't want to judge her. But it, that's how we greet each other, right? Hi, how are you? Got this, got this. She, she wasn't expecting what I told her. I said, I'm doing great. God's mercies are new to me this morning. <laughs> and she was like frozen. And I kind of looked at her and I was like, uh. And she said, that's crazy. Now I'm looking like that at her. Like, oh. She said, I just read that this morning in my Bible. And now you, a complete stranger, stand in front of me and quote that verse to me. That's crazy. She said, maybe God's talking to me. I said, oh yeah, he is. He does. But there's a famine in the land all around us in God's family. There's a famine. For years there was a famine in my life. Not of bread. Had plenty of that. I never went once to my refrigerator and it was empty. I know that happens to people. But it didn't happen to me. I didn't always eat what I wanted to eat. But there was always manna. There was a famine in my own heart as a preacher. I preached the word of God regularly. I was traveling all over the United States. Weekends, preaching my heart out. Preaching Thursday night, all day Friday, Friday night, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Came home, couldn't even talk. I lost my voice. Just preaching. So much. Almost every weekend. I was at home one weekend a month. But when I was at home, I'd come home on a Monday afternoon from a weekend like that. You know what I did? I laid on the sofa exhausted and turned on the TV and fell asleep. And I remember my wife one weekend this still cuts me to the heart. My wife looking at me and saying, would you like to go on a walk with us? Christian and I are going to go on a walk. It was maybe 4 o'clock. And I said, no, I'm wore out. And she looks at me so lovingly and she says, yeah, you're wore out a lot these days when you come home.
When I was at home, there was very little of this coming out of my mouth. Deuteronomy 6 was absent from my life. I was preaching when I had a pulpit. But the word of Christ was not dwelling in me richly. I came home into the frustration of the workplace, into the frustration of everyday life, and lived like everyone else. Vexed, frustrated, or happy that I made a lot of money that day. My emotions were just like everybody else's. I remember one day the Lord said to me, Phil, there's a great famine of my word on your heart and in your mind. You preach it, but you don't know it. You don't know me in your moments of testing and deep need. You don't come to me. You go to the bank. Or you... You beg, you cry, just like everybody else. You stress out. And the one word the Lord gave me was, do you know my words? You see, I have a subject matter I could preach on, a topic, needs I've seen in other people's lives. But you know, Jesus' longest sermon, I couldn't quote to you. The points of his sermon. I didn't know. I knew parts of it. But I wasn't experiencing it. I wonder if that's your case. One day the Lord said to me, Let my word become rich in your life. Phil, surrender your heart to me so I can write on your heart and your mind my words. And when I test you to see what's in your heart, this is your bread and butter and honey. Have you ever tried that? Bread, butter, and honey. And then put it in the microwave. Michael insists the best breakfast in the world. I like mine toasted. I think his is soggy. But that's what he likes. Psalm 19, thy words are sweeter than the honeycomb. Is it just a dream? Or is it true? Well, let me test it. How about I get a bottle of honey and offer you toast, buttered bread, put some honey on it, or this. Which one would you like for breakfast? Which one would you choose? You would choose the one you always choose. If you didn't fear me. If you didn't just want to, you know, do a show. Which one do you choose? Because Jesus does that every morning. Every morning when he wakes you up and me up, he offers us. Which will you choose first? Which one's more necessary for you today? Which one will you live by?
for sharing the word with us this morning. And a reminder of how desperately we need the word of God to dwell in us richly every day. Let's have that be our desire and our goal this week, one day at a time. All right, that'll bring us to the close of this part of our service. We'll have a meal served here shortly, and uh, please stay and enjoy this time of fellowship together. Let's all uh, stand, if you can, and we'll have a closing prayer. Thank you, Father, for blessing us with your word this morning, and I pray that it would be the desire of each one of us to have that word dwell in us richly today, this week, and the days ahead. I pray that that would be real in each and every heart and life here this morning. I thank you for the food you provided for us. I pray your blessing on it. I pray that you would bless our time of fellowship. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.